How are you all doing today? I'm doing good. Feeling good. A little bit ornery. My anniversary today. Yeah, me and BR. I wasn't going to tell you that today's Avery's birthday, but I guess I should now. We haven't had an anniversary celebration since she was born. She's gotten all of our days. Her grandma fusses about it all the time. Not really. Uh, we have uh, Jeff, Jeff Archie's gonna be with us next week. Um, I believe you're gonna enjoy Jeff a lot. I've always uh, enjoyed hearing him speak. Uh, I hope you will uh, commit to uh, coming to every service if possible and uh, be sure to invite others uh, to come and be with us throughout these, uh, these times when we meet. Uh, we don't ever wanna forget that it's our it's our responsibility to encourage those around us uh, to come to the Lord. You know, sometimes we have to do it very gradually. Sometimes we can be a bit more aggressive, but we should always uh, be mindful of people we care about and maybe even those we don't care too much about. Uh, we should always be thinking about their well-being. Uh, most of us have to live with some scars where we didn't invest much time on someone and then they up and died and we weren't expecting it. And now, now we know uh, that uh, we didn't seize the opportunity. We know what the consequences of their decision is. And we have to wonder, what if I would have said something? The first time that ever hit me, it had to do with my uncle. And it's been hitting me every, about every day since. If only I had said something. You don't want them kind of scars. When you get an opportunity, invite people to come and be with us. Come and have dinner with us. Invite people to come and hear the gospel. Jeff, uh, you you like Jeff. He's a good man. Good man and a very good speaker. Uh, and you'll learn something. He always teaches something. You always see something different. I've always enjoyed him. Anyway, that's uh, that's my spiel for today. Uh, why do people refuse to come to Jesus? This is uh, part two. We began last week talking about this, and I'd like to finish up today. In John chapter 5, and verse 39 and 40, the Lord speaking to uh, the Jewish leadership, 
He said, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these scriptures are they which testify of me. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. What hindered these people from coming to the Lord? They didn't want to. It's just that simple. Well, why didn't they want to? Well, there's different reasons for that. But it was a matter of the will, okay? It was a choice that they made. For whatever reason, they didn't want to be associated with Jesus. And it's their right to make that decision. Uh, it troubles us, of course, when people do. But uh, I think it's good that we should be extra careful in the way we live, the way we speak around these folks, because you never know if somebody's going to have a change of heart. But be sure that there are people all around us who do not come to Jesus just because they don't want to. And that's, uh, it's very sad when you stop and think about it. You are not willing. Uh, there's different reasons. We talked about two last week. One was spiritual blindness. That's why some are not willing to come to Jesus. The second one was the idea that salvation is in Christ only. It seems strange that this would be a stumbling block for people, but it is a stumbling block. Well, I've had a lot of people get angry with me over this. you telling me you have to be a member of the Church of Christ to be saved? That's not what I'm saying. You are responsible to believe and follow the instructions of Jesus Christ. Well, where did you get this idea of salvation is in Christ only? Because that's what Jesus said. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father except through me. Jesus was very narrow. He was narrow-minded. And the reason is because truth is narrow. Two plus two equals four. It's not five, it's not three. It's not any other number you can conjure up in your mind. It's four. Well, you're narrow-minded. We have no other choice. <laughs> the truth is narrow. And if you believe and you teach the truth, you're gonna be narrow because you're gonna teach what Jesus said. And people don't like this idea of salvation being in Christ only. What about all the Muslims? What about all the Hindus? What about all the Jewish people? You telling me the Jews can't be saved through Moses? John Hagee says they can. I know, I've heard him say it. But he's wrong. The Muslims are going to be saved because of Muhammad. I've heard people say it. But it's not true. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And no one, I mean no one, comes unto the Father except through me. He's narrow, he's very narrow-minded. But that's because truth is narrow. Two plus two is four, and there's nothing you can do about it. Jesus is the only way to the Father, and there's nothing anybody can do about it. You can't get to the Father through me or any other person. It's Jesus or nothing. 
And the third one is what I want to talk about today for just a few moments, and that's the fact that rejection is a personal choice. It's a choice that people make. They may not realize they make it, but they do make it. Everybody does. I made a choice, you made a choice. I chose to become a Christian. Why? Well, to tell you the truth, I wanted to receive eternal life. I wanted to go on living forever. I didn't want to die. I didn't want to go to hell. I scared of hell. Heard a preacher talk about hell one time. I didn't want to go to hell. It was horrible. It was worse than anything I could imagine. I don't want to go there. I think I was running away from hell more than I was running to heaven. But that was in the early days. We make a choice. And some people have a problem with that. In John 5, 40, the Lord had said, you are not willing to come to me. Calvinists disagree with that statement. They disagree with Jesus. According to Calvinists, which is a great many Protestant denominational people, according to Calvinists, the Lord decided before the creation of the world who would, who would not be saved. I don't know exactly how he picked them out, but God, in his infinite wisdom, he had the foresight to know who would live, and he decided you, 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 throughout the years, who would be saved. And that meant that the rest was going to be lost. And now when people are born into the world, they're either born going to be saved before they die or not. And those who are going to be saved, they can't keep from it. The Lord predestined them to salvation. And whether they want to or not, the Lord's going to save them. And there's going to be a lot of people who aren't saved, but they want to become saved. And it's not going to happen. Why? Because God decided that before the foundation of the world. Hard to believe people teach something like that, ain't it? People won't talk about it in public anymore. Used to, they did. Used to, it sounded like a sound theory. But today, you can't hardly even get a preacher to talk about it anymore. It's still in their creed. It's still supposed to be what they believe. I don't think anybody does. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. My religion didn't make much sense to me. I think I'd change my religion. The Calvinists disagree, but it's true. Jesus is the one and only way to the Father, and there are some people who just will not go that way. They just don't want to. For whatever reason, they don't want to. Scriptures clearly teach that man is a volitional creature. That is, we're capable of making personal choices. Every one of us. We can choose what we shall do, what we shall not do. A lot of things motivate us to make certain decisions. But the decision belongs to us. If I lose my soul, it's my fault. It's nobody else's fault. You ain't going to blame me because I'm the preacher. It ain't going to get you nowhere. The Lord won't let you do that. If we are not ready to live with God when we pass from this place, we'll have no one to blame but ourselves because we had the power to make a choice.
to do good or evil. All the way back in Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, Adam and Eve were the first two people given a choice. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. There were trees that they could eat the fruit of, all of them, except for one. And that one they had to abstain. That's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You shall not eat it. Now there it is. They got to make a decision. What are they going to do? Are they going to do what the Lord said or not? There's plenty of fruit. It all looked good. It was all tasty. God made it. And then there was that one tree. They didn't know what it tasted like. They never had any of it. But Mother Eve was tempted, and she decided it would be worth it. And she ate that forbidden fruit. And because of that decision, that day we all have to die. When they partook of the fruit, the death sentence was passed on humanity. Those decisions we make, they got enormous consequences. Enormous consequences. It has to do with eternal things, forever things, things that never go away, things that shall always be. For in the day that you eat of it, Jehovah said, you shall surely die. And someone says, well, they didn't die that day. Adam went on to live to be 930-year-old. Well, they did die that day. They died. The word death means separation. James sort of defined it in chapter 2, verse 26, when he said the body apart from the spirit is dead. When the spirit isn't with the body anymore, the body's dead. Not the spirit, but the body's dead. Well, Adam and Eve died the day they ate that fruit. Why? It's not because their spirit was separated from their flesh. It's because they were separated from God. They were separated from life. And now they were in the condemned category. They were sitting on death row with nothing to look forward to but torment. Why? Because Eve wanted that fruit. God said, you can eat it one, leave the other one alone. They had to make a choice. They made the choice. And it was the wrong choice. <clears throat> we have the ability to make our own choices. What we'll do, what we will not do. In Joshua 24, verse 15, Joshua was speaking to the people of Israel. They were in, going into the land of Canaan. And he's telling them, you know, basically, you know, we got to be one man. We got to be united. We've got to march under the banner of Jehovah because he's our strength and our life. And he said, if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, if it seems evil, if it seems like a bad idea, 
there's a lot of reasons why people think it's a bad idea. A, a young man, he wants to become a Christian. He's, he's heard the gospel and he's been convinced that this is the right way to go. Mom and daddy, though, they don't think that way. They follow the law of Moses. They believe that by Moses they're going to be saved and they don't want their son becoming a Christian. And sometimes the son, he won't do it because it seems like a bad choice and he won't make the choice. Sometimes the wife has been told by her husband, you're not gonna be a Christian. She gotta make a decision. She can either obey the Lord, go on for eternal life, or she can obey her husband and suffer the consequences of that decision. But she'll make a decision. And sometimes it seems like a bad idea to follow the Lord. And that's the way it was now for Israel. I'm sure there was a lot of people that thought following Jehovah wasn't a good idea anymore. It was time to change gods. You see, back then, the, the people believed that the gods were territorial, that you had a god of, say, Tennessee. You had a god that watched over Kentucky, a god that watched over Alabama. And the thing you ought to do is if you live in Tennessee <clears throat> under this god and you move to Kentucky, it's a good idea to get friendly with that god so that God can protect you while you live there on the land that he governs. And I'm sure there are some Jews who thought <clears throat> it was time to change gods. Listen to what Joshua said. If it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Make a decision. If it seems evil, then make a decision. Whether you serve the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river, that's over in Egypt. It may feel like it's good to follow those gods. They lived under those gods all their life. It's basically what they knew was the gods of Egypt. If you want to return to the gods of Egypt, then do it. Or perhaps you want to serve the god of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. That is the land of Canaan. They had gods that protected Canaan land. Whether you serve the god of the Egyptians or the god of the Canaanites, you got to make a choice, and today's the day for that choice to be made. Choose for yourself. Make a decision. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It is our will, our choice, our decision. We're going to follow Jehovah. That's what Joshua did, and apparently that's what the people did also. He was very convincing. They had a choice in the matter. If you want to follow Egyptian gods, then go to it. That's your, that's your business. But as for me and my house, we're staying with Jehovah. 
the point is they, they could make a choice. In John 7, 17, our Lord said, if anyone wants to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. If anyone wants, if anyone desires to do the will of God, if it's in your heart that you really want to do the will of God, you've come to a decision because of your faith. You've decided, I want to do the will of God. I want to be saved from my sins. If you do, then you shall know concerning the doctrine, concerning the teaching. It always grieves my soul when someone says, I just can't get anything out of the Bible. Listen to what Jesus said now, carefully. If anyone wants, has a desire to do the will of God, then that person's going to know what the will of God is. It's not going to be unreachable. The Lord won't let it be unreachable. If you want to do the will of God, if it's your desire, your passion to do the will of God, the Lord's going to make sure that you know what the will of God is. You're not going to come up empty because you've got a promise from God. He'll make sure that we know. Through my life, I've seen many years where I come up against a brick wall. And no matter what, I couldn't seem to get around it. And then one day I would meet a man, get a little acquainted with him, we talked. And by listening to him talk, I could see and understand what it was I couldn't understand before. Was that a coincidence? Did the Lord hook us up, so to speak? Was God providentially guiding me to the source of information that I was so desperately looking for? I couldn't even begin to guess how many times such things happened to me in my life. I'd run up against the wall. I couldn't understand. I wanted to understand. I continued trying to understand. And then one day I met Brother So-and-So. And through my association with him, I learned what I was wanting to understand. I believe with all my heart that God providentially works in our lives and he gives us those things that we need. Listen to the promise. If anyone wants to do God's will, he shall know God's will. That's a promise that Jesus Christ made to us. And I believe it with all my heart. I do believe it. <clears throat> If you want to do the will of God, that's the condition. If. If you don't, well, you're never really going to understand, I don't think, because you don't have any help. The superintendent of the universe isn't going to guide you. The qualification to receive such a blessing is that you want to know. 
what God's will is. It's a choice. It's a choice that we make. We make them every day. The question I got to raise, though, is why are so many people against Jesus? Why are so many people turned off by him? Number one, I think it's because a lot of people are unaware of the fact that they are lost. Jesus taught us this point uh, several times in Scripture. In Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 10, he taught two parables. One was the parable of the lost sheep. The other one was the parable of the lost coin. The key word there is they were both lost. But there's a difference between these two. It's not just repeating the same parable, but he's teaching us another lesson to boot. When the sheep was lost, the sheep is an animate object. The sheep knows it's lost. It can't find the shepherd. It doesn't have enough pasture to eat. It knows it's lost, but it don't know how to get back to the, to the shepherd. They, they're not that bright. So he's lost. He knows he's lost, but he don't know what to do about it. Now the coin, on the other hand, that's an inanimate object. It's lost, and it doesn't even know it's lost. It's just the coin. It doesn't move. It won't get up and roll off. If someone doesn't pick it up and put it in its pocket, that coin just lay there and remain lost. Now, he told us these things for a reason, because that's the way people are. Some people are lost. They know they're lost, but they don't know how to become found. They need someone to guide them. And then there's other people who are lost, and they don't even know they're lost. They think everything's all right, everything's fine. But they're mistaken. In Luke 19 and 10, Jesus said, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That was his purpose in coming into the world, at least one principal purpose. And that should be our purpose also, trying to find that which is lost. And remember, some people are lost. They know they're lost, but they don't know what to do about it. And some people are lost. They don't even know they're lost. They're not looking for a way to be found. What you encounter, people are going to be different. Sin does not exist. This is very popular today. Uh, the philosophers, uh, they spew uh, all their uh, wisdom. And a lot of young people, they're exposed to this. And because this man is a genius, they assume he knows what he's talking about. I remember when I was a kid, uh, I had to respect my teachers. It didn't matter how dumb they were, I still had to respect them because they're the teacher and I'm the student. And if I didn't respect them, <laughs> I was gonna have a bad night that night. 
daddy get upset. The teacher's right, they're a teacher. I remember thinking if it's on television, it must be right, because if it's not right, they would sue the television station. I used to think everything was the truth. I don't know if I ever heard the truth or not. Kids are exposed to a lot of things today. We're exposed to a lot of things today. And sometimes those things take a toll on us. I watched a TV show the other day. It's called Bones. <laughs> and uh, this FBI agent encountered a, well, he's supposed to be a preacher, but he wasn't much of one. Uh, he encountered this preacher, and he asked him, he said, are you one of them eggheads that believe that the world was built in six days? He thought he was an egghead. He thought he was an idiot because he believed the world was created in six days. Obviously, he didn't believe that. He believed in evolution, I'm sure. But he thought anybody that believed that the world was created in six days was just an idiot. I wonder where he got that idea, that notion. I wonder who taught him that. Somebody taught him that. You know, everything we know came from a source outside of ourselves. When you and I were born, we knew nothing. And as we live, we learn. We learn from him and her and that guy over yonder. We, we, we soak up information like a sponge. And the information that we're exposed to becomes a part of who we are. And there's a lot of people today, unfortunately, who question the ideal of sin. And it's said, <clears throat> some people are unimpressed by Jesus. He doesn't look like such a much. He's just a plain old man, nothing special about him. He certainly wasn't educated. He couldn't have been too wise. They're just not impressed by him. Evolution has hurt a lot of people. Because of this theory of evolution, a lot of people think, well, maybe, maybe the Bible is not true. All these scientists, could they all be wrong? You got some preacher or Bible teacher, how much does he really know about anything? How much does he know about evolution? These other guys, they're the experts. How many, how many young people have we paid to go off to college only to discover that while they were there, their faith was destroyed? And we paid for it. People are unimpressed by Jesus because they know what the truth is. And Jesus just doesn't look like such much. Some people are deceived and satisfied in their deception. And this is always sad to run across. In Acts 19, verse 13, Luke speaks about itinerant Jews. These guys were... Uh, they were looking for a way to make money, make a living. 
And they they had heard of Paul. Maybe they saw Paul. I don't know. But uh, they heard about Paul and the fact that Paul preached Jesus and that Paul was uh, able to heal people. And they realized that they could do this and they could get paid for it and make money. So they weren't really teachers of the gospel. But they feigned that they were. And they went about teaching and healing. On one occasion, one of these itinerant Jews, he told this fellow, speaking to the demons that were in him, I adjure you in the name of Jesus, who Paul preaches, to come out of that man. He thought he could do what Paul did if he'd used the same words Paul used. He was a fake. There's a lot of fakes. You know that? I know people get upset when you talk about that too. Well, he's a good man. He's such a nice man. He's such a gentle person. I love him to death. There's a lot of people I love to death too. But just because I love a person to death, that doesn't mean he knows what he's talking about. And sometimes sweet people say things that just aren't really true. But he's such a sweet man. I wouldn't hurt his feelings for nothing at all. In Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, Paul said there's some preachers that preach a perverted gospel. They twist the gospel. They mangle it up. The ideal is they, they're false teachers. Paul Harvey once said, if I was the devil, I would print a perverted version of the Bible. He was talking about the NIV, the New International Version at the time. And when he said that, it, it hit me like a ton of bricks. If I was the devil, I'd go right to the source. I'd corrupt the Bible. And I thought, well, boy, if I was the devil, I'd do the same thing. In 2 Peter 2, verse 1, Peter said there were also false teachers among the people of Israel. Always false teachers bothering people. And he said, even as there will be false teachers among you. This was in the church. There's going to be honest teachers, but there's going to be some that are false. They're going to teach you what they know, or what they believe. And you got to be careful because you may not hear the truth. And you don't want to get caught up in something like that. In 1 John chapter 4, and verse 1, John said, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. What's he saying? You all sitting out there, don't believe this guy up here just because he's talking. Test what he says. See whether or not it's true. Whenever he quotes the Bible, read the Bible. Fortunately, we put it up on the screen. But make sure he's saying what the Bible says. Make sure he's honest. Why? Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Many false teachers. Some people have come into contact with false teachers. They were deceived. But they're satisfied. Because they have a great church family. And they just love it to death. But they're not doing the will of God. 
not in its entirety. They've left something off. Beware of social media, and I'm going to hang it up right there. I don't talk much about this because I don't know a whole lot about social media, to tell you the truth. But what I do know is it's a good thing and it's a dangerous thing. There's a lot of false information on social media. I heard a man say the only way he ever approached social media on the internet was he didn't believe anything he read. I got a feeling that'd be a safe way to, to approach it. You know what's going on in uh, the Middle East right now between Palestine and Israel, or more specifically, Hamas and Israel. Do you know that people in, in our country are protesting what's going on in Israel. The fact that Israel's fighting and killing Palestinians. Because a few weeks ago, those same people broke into Israel and murdered 1,400 people. Maliciously, violently murdered them. They were making a statement. That incident was to them what 9-11 was to you and I. It was an assault against our nation. And Israel, being Israel, they went to war. And now, in our country, in especially the Ivy League schools, Tens of thousands of young people are protesting. Hamas is the hero, Israel's the devil. I didn't understand why. How could anybody come to that conclusion? It, it was unimaginable to me. But I watched all these young people running around carrying their little placards and their flags and shouting and screaming, carrying on. And now, I, where did they get that idea? There's a congresswoman, Congresswoman uh, Tlaib in Michigan. Uh, she's done with her box of rocks. She got up one day and she blamed Israel for what happened on October the 7th when they invaded Israel and slaughtered 1,400 people, men, women, and children. And she said it was Israel's fault. A hospital got hit over in Gaza Immediately they came out. The Jews hit that hospital. They're trying to kill people in the hospital with their bombs. They had just a couple hours and they found out that it wasn't a bomb that came from Israel. It was a bomb that belonged to Hamas. 
they were shooting it off to Israel, and instead it went straight up and then came right back down. And when it did, it hit that hospital. It's been proven. It's documented. Several nations have examined the evidence, and they know it was something that belonged to Moss. This United States Congresswoman is still going around saying that Israel bombed that hospital. How can that be? We talk about terrorism. I think she's a terrorist. She's trying to throw fear into the heart of people. They're going to punish the Israel. They're going to punish the United States. They're going to punish Joe Biden. How can they say things like that and not be considered a terrorist? Why aren't their visas pulled and these people sent back to their country of origin? Why are they still here? They hate the United States. Well, get out of it. Where did they come? Where did these children come up with the idea that all this was going on? Social media. One in particular, I think there's actually three, but one in particular called TikTok. I'm 95% confident that it belongs to the communist Chinese. Uh, I got to get that other 5% before I'll be comfortable. I believe they use that in order to disrupt our society. They do a good job. A lot of information is put out on the internet, especially on TikTok, that's false. And people read it, and instead of examining it to see whether or not it's true, they accept it as the truth, and they say something dumb, like Israel bombed a hospital, when we know it was Hamas that did it. Be careful with that internet. Be very, very careful. When you turn it on, just remember, it's all lies. And examine it carefully. I, I can't go into a lot of detail, but I will be honest with you. It frightens me to death, the power of that social media. It comes into people's houses and causes them to behave stupidly, <coughs> believing lies with the truth. But that's one of the reasons why people don't want to become a Christian. They believe the lie, and they're satisfied now, and they're willing to stay there. We don't want people to be lost. We love them very dearly. 
we should always keep it in the back of our mind that when we get an opportunity, let's speak up to somebody. Let them know we love them. Just, I, you know, I love you and I care about you. And I, I wonder sometimes if you were to pass, what would become of you? And it just bothers me so much. You won't be telling a lie because it does. Let them know you love them. Maybe they'll listen to you. But at least you've done your best. And nobody can ask for more than that. If you're not a Christian, you are to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are to ultimately be immersed in water and become a member of his church. As Christians, we're to learn and we're to grow and in the process, becoming more and more like the Son of God every day. And this we strive to do, far from perfect. But we'd like to be perfect, and we keep on trying. 